A school assembly with a difference. The venue, England's famous Ely Cathedral, where students from the nearby King's School gather several days a week. For Wellingtonian, Henry Thomas, one of several GAP students at the King's School, assemblies in the 12th century cathedral are a constant reminder that he's a long way from home. While a number of school leavers take a so-called gap year between the seventh form and further studies, many young New Zealanders like Henry Thomas are part of an organised scheme. While Henry went to the UK as part of an organisation, Tutors Worldwide, the biggest operation is run by Gap Activity Projects, or GAP. Set up in 1972, the organisation also recruits the so-called GAP volunteers primarily from the UK, Australia, Canada, South Africa and Germany. GAP's manager here is Shirley Crothers. She says a year out spent overseas is an increasingly popular option. This year the organisation sent 140 students from New Zealand. Next year there'll be another 60. More 18-year-olds are uncertain what they're going to do when they first leave school. And so they would uh, like to have the year out and we find many mature greatly and then come back with more of a focus on their education in the future. While Tutors Worldwide caters for students as young as 17, the GAP organisation placements are for young people between 18 and 25, although most of the New Zealand volunteers are school leavers and most go to the UK. Boarding schools is the most popular um, placement area. As well as that, we do outdoor. They're only for six months and we call it community and care and that's another six-month placement. And we've, I've just come back from UK and found that there's really no personal care amongst that community and care. It's mainly looking after the elderly with crafts and, and like um, activities. The UK, while popular, is not the only destination, although Mrs Crothers says the requirements in some of the other countries are a bit different. When they go to Canada, it's for six months and they can't go till the winter time has, has passed, so it's usually April or May when they go. Mainly camps, we do have some schools as well and we're trying to increase the school numbers but it's mainly six months in camps uh, taking school children and doing the outdoor activities so they need to be outdoor um, initiated. We also send to Poland teaching English language not um, written but mainly just the grammar um, as well as that Germany, they need to have two years basic German before they're allowed to go there. China and Thailand are both teaching English language and um, I've just visited the education office in Thailand. There are 32,000 schools in Thailand, and so they're all calling out for gappers, so we can't get enough to fulfil their placements. Wellingtonian Alex Cartmel-Gollin is currently on a gap scheme in Poland. His father, Lawrence Cartmel, says because Alex didn't turn 18 until May, he was too young to take up a British placement at the beginning of this year. He opted instead for six months in Poland, arriving there in September. They have uh, a kindergarten, uh, what we would consider to be an intermediate through to college year school and uh, any age school because one of the pupils is 60 in that one. The billet that he stays at are the people who own the premises, They're a, uh, they own the schools, they're a Polish family, six children, um, they've been taking gap students for some while as far as I can gather. He stays in the houses and expected to uh, put in something like 22 and a half hours a week. He says Alex initially had a week's orientation in Warsaw but he admits to some concerns that his son didn't speak a word of the language. My worry was what he was going to do in getting from Warsaw down to his placement, which is well south of Krakow. 
uh, near the Slovakian border. Uh, but anyway, it turned out he travelled with the guy who spoke fluent Polish, so he was fine. And um, from what I can gather, most people in Poland like to try and speak English, so he didn't have any problem. His Polish is certainly a lot better now. At Ely, Henry Thomas may not have had language difficulties, but in a school with students ranging from 5 to 18, there were things to learn. You've always got to be very careful with student interaction, not to get too friendly. Um, and I think on purpose they put us in the junior school to sort of steer clear of the older students. He says the overwhelming impression when he arrived at the King's School, established by Edward the Confessor in 1079, was the sheer age of the place. Even the reputedly haunted flat he shares with another GAP student is part of a 13th century monastic barn. It is quite bizarre. When we first arrived, you sort of saw everything and it was just mind-blowing to think about it. And the history of our house we live in, which is part of the monastic barn, is that it used to be sort of a field hospital during World War One and Two, And um, to hear things like that, it's just hard to imagine that you're walking up the same stairs as some nurse might have been doing and even during the, the crusades and that, it's quite hard to think about. He says the history of the place is impossible to ignore. Most of the schools where the so-called gappies or gappers are sent in the UK are private and often set in impressively grand surroundings. One New Zealander spent her year in a school which routinely used Blenheim Palace for the senior ball. King's College Chapel, Cambridge. The choristers here attend the nearby King's College School, a prep school for children aged between 4 and 13. The headmaster, Nick Robinson, says every year the school takes three GAP students who live in a flat on site. We get GAP students coming to us from the GAP organisation, which is a great success for us because we get young people coming to us who have actually volunteered through an organisation to come and do some voluntary work um, in this country or other countries. So the kind of young people we get um, are usually very well motivated um, and come to us with great skills and great talents, um, which is a great benefit to us. He says there are probably a variety of reasons why it's mostly private schools that have GAP students. We're more relaxed about having young people around to help the staff, perhaps, and also maybe we had teachers can allocate money to pay for them, perhaps that other heads in government schools can't. So is a gap year just an option for young people from wealthy homes? Henry Thomas says there are costs, but it's not just a scheme for rich kids. You get paid while you're over here, so as long as you've paid for your flight over, there's not a lot of costs involved. And then you, I've earned enough money to do all my travelling so far on my own accord. I mean, I might have to call home in the summer months, but other than that, I don't think that's a fair assumption. Shirley Crothers from the GAP organisation says as well as their board and food, they receive between 45 to £88 pounds a week. While they kick their board over the two months of the school summer break and other holidays, that doesn't always include meals. Plymouth mother Margaret Green, whose son Sam is at his school in Yorkshire, says he gets £50 pounds a week. He's found it quite hard, especially when the school closes for holidays. There's no food or anything for him. 
So he's having to, you know, provide for himself in those times. And, they, you know, they do have sort of the days here and there and extra half-term breaks and things. At the other end of the scale, some gappers get paid more than £100 a week and some can earn more by taking on extra jobs around the school, such as kitchen or gardening chores. Jessie Rose was a student at Hamilton's Hillcrest High School last year. This year she's a gappy at the Lees, a secondary school in Cambridge, and she thinks she's got a good deal. I get £80 a week, about that, and they also give me a bit of a food allowance in the holidays, which works out well. The main part of your pay is your food and board. Other than that, we're volunteers, so they're not allowed to pay us over a certain amount. While the gappies, although classified as volunteers, do get paid, there are costs involved in getting to their schools in the UK. We paid about $6,500 to gap, which is the flights, insurance, and you also pay fees to them for the people who work full-time as your support networks. But you've just got to decide if it's what you really want to do, and if it is, then you need to work before you come and things like that. Being part of the GAP scheme also had other benefits. It's a little bit scary coming halfway across the world, not quite knowing what you're getting yourself in for. But we had a three-day orientation down in Reading, which was really good. They get all the South African, Kiwi and Australian gappers together for sort of an induction thing for a couple of days and they tell you what to expect, what to do, what not to do and you get to meet everyone which is the best part about it. You know who's in your region and you make lots of friends and things. Shirley Crothers from GAP says the three day orientation is part of the overall cost of about $6,000. That's including airfare which um, the boarding schools they go in January which is high season so the airfare is about 3000 There's also insurance that they must have before they go. To get a visa to go into UK and Ireland and the other countries, of course, um, it's quite expensive. That's now about $580. And gap fees, and we use the gap fees to place them, match them, and also they have pastoral care while they're over there. So that's one of the big draw cards for people going on gap. What sort of things do they get for their pastoral care? They get visited twice while they're there. Once after two weeks, it may be an email, a phone call, or a visit. And then after about six weeks, because that's when we believe homesickness kicks in. But then they have always the access to that person. And the person gets on really well with the mentor at the school. So if there is something that doesn't seem to be working out, and we hear about it, we'll send in their project manager, or UK office will send in the project manager. Henry says his days at the school are busy. Well, as a sports gappy... I come in for the school, start of school, which is 8.45. And then um, throughout the day you're doing sports with uh, years 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7, 8. And then we're just done swimming here. We've done cricket earlier on in the day. And um, this afternoon we're doing sculling on the river. So there's a lot of different activities involved. And no day is sort of the same. Yeah. What do you want to do, um, Tom? I really don't want to. Well, make up what you call your mind. Okay, double, right. Right, as you were then, two quads, two single, uh, two quads, a single and a double. At sculling practice, teacher Mark Wilkinson regards Henry as a definite asset. Henry is the first gap student I've had which has, has helped rowing. Uh, they've normally helped cricket or whatever, athletics, but Henry is great news. He comes like, like them all. 
positive attitude, lots of can do, real credit, and he's a fabulous bloke. He says it takes a certain type to be a GAP volunteer. I mean, Henry has to take charge, so he's got to be a bit authoritarian. Can't, can't be too much of a buddy with these kids, uh, and, and he does, and, and it's wonderful to see him doing it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a very good experience for them. I mean, it, it's not all fun and games. They've got a lot of fairly tedious tasks to do, you know, sort of things that get given to the gophers, and, you know, the guys who've got to do odd jobs like sort out this pile of papers and get this list or that list, and he, he gets a fair amount of that, and he gets a lot of boarding duties. So it's, it's quite hard work. And do they do it normally with a good grace? They don't last if they don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, people like Henry, great. Jessie Rose in Cambridge says she's kept busy. In the mornings I work with PE classes, so I help coach athletics or do gymnastics or take kids in the gym for circuits. Then in the afternoon I coach games, so the first term I did netball six days a week and this term I did cricket and rounders. One of the main reasons I wound up in Cambridge is the Lees is always short of netball coaches, so they got my application form and thought, sweet, she's a netball player, that'll work really well. They're always short of games coaches and especially at boarding school it's compulsory for them to do the games, so they need people to do it. I think you're lucky if you wind up in the sport part of it because some others do a lot of laundry or sort of house duties or things like that so I'd much rather be outside. So it's not exactly strenuous if you're sitting out on a field timing 800 metres, it's not hard work. And there are benefits for the school. I think they get a lot of variety, they can see different ways of doing things especially if you get netball drills from New Zealand which they can then do the next year or whatever and I think it works well for them to have a sort of general dog's body to do menial tasks which just time consuming or something like that. Margaret Green, whose son Sam is at a 450-year-old school in Yorkshire, says his duties mainly involve sport. He's at Ripon Grammar School and he's basically a PE assistant. He assists the PE teachers both with the physical side of their job plus with their um, computers, getting all their records up to date and making programmes for them on the computer for the different levels of children. He loves it, absolutely loves it. The Gap Company isn't the only way to go. Another Wellingtonian, Sean Conway, has almost finished his year in the UK. His mother, Liz Ritterford, says he got his own placement through a chance meeting at his old school with the wife of the headmaster from St Bede's, a secondary school in southern England. She encouraged him to apply directly to the school, which is what he did. It saved a lot of money. The cost of doing it through the GAP organisation is in the thousands, and he basically saved that money. He gets paid £80 a week, which is $240 a week, which seemed a lot considering he was going to be fed and he would have somewhere to stay and all of that. But in fact, he's obtained extra work as well. So in order to have enough to do what he needed to do, he's had to get other jobs, but he's been able to do that through the school. At the school, which is near Brighton, Sean lives with about 10 other people, a mix of junior staff members and three other GAP employees, as they're known in the school. It's in a three-storey accommodation block, and essentially it's a flatting situation. But they've got the option of either cooking for themselves in the accommodation or eating over at the school. The first six months, probably, would have been spent just adjusting 
to living away from home, to managing his money, and above all, to understanding and managing the relationships at the school that he was at, which not only the other GAP employees, but also, of course, the students. The senior students are very much the same age as him. And also the staff. There's obviously a staff hierarchy, but he's in a different relationship to that staff than he was as a student at school in New Zealand. Getting a placement through a direct contact with a school, often through the Independent Schools UK website, isn't unusual, nor is going through other organisations besides GAP. The other player in the business is Tutors Worldwide. It's run here by Robin Finney. The main destination is the UK, but that seems to be by choice. Uh, Most people from... Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, which we also recruit from, still seem to have quite strong ties and links with the UK. So that seems to be their preferred destination. For him, the operation is very hands-on. When I set up Tutors Worldwide, the idea was to keep it as personal as possible. So I do the recruiting and I do all the interviewing myself. Um, and then I get to know the schools in the UK. So in that way, I hope we get uh, the best opportunity of a a mutually beneficial arrangement for school and tutor. He sends about 50 young New Zealanders to the UK each year. Mr Finney says there's a stringent selection programme and not everyone makes it through. Not always, unfortunately, because they're not going to be good gap tutors. But schools on the other side do make very specific demands at times in terms of expertise and experience. And it is a fact that we can't always fit everybody in. Ultimately, we're looking for people who are going to have a fair amount of initiative, enthusiasm, adaptability, because they are asked to do all sorts of things, good communication skills, good level of commitment. And I think, above all, they've got to enjoy school life and enjoy working with young people and be prepared to roll their sleeves up and and get stuck in and do anything that's asked of them. Shirley Crothers says while most of the students who apply to the GAP activity projects are accepted, a year overseas isn't for everyone. If you are shy and withdrawn, you really have to try very hard to make a difference to yourself. You know, and lots of them have come back and said, well, we have actually had a look at ourselves now. We know that we could have done better. But the schools will help them do that. But it's certainly um, not suitable for someone with a chip on their shoulder or somebody who doesn't like representing New Zealand. Robin Finney agrees. I think that the gap year isn't for everybody. I think it's a fantastic thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be involved with it so heavily. But it isn't for everybody, no. And if you want to go overseas to let your hair down after five years of secondary school and let yourself loose, gapping in a school isn't the best way to do it. While slightly cheaper than the GAP scheme, travelling to the UK as part of Tutors Worldwide will still cost about $5,000. Mr Finney says taking a GAP year is increasingly popular, but there could be some clouds on the horizon in terms of British visa requirements. The Home Office is now reviewing the whole area of of entry to the UK. They have a certain number of of EU commitments to to honour and they're looking at how they can actually best channel the the right number of people into the UK and they're looking at the whole area of youth mobility and uh, there may well be changes to the visa system coming up possibly during 2008 that are certainly not clear at the moment but uh, the whole matter is up for review. Okay guys it's just you've got revision now you've got exams this afternoon so just settle down get out what you've got to do and get on with it quietly okay any questions? Richard Field-Dodgson is a teacher at Scots College in Wellington. He's also involved in overseas placements. I run a a scheme which I 
rather grandly called the tutorship scheme, where I send school leavers, mainly from the Wellington area now, over to schools in the UK, and they act as tutors. Mr Field Dodgson first encountered the scheme while teaching at the exclusive Harrow School in England. He says his operation is a cheaper option than going through a larger organisation. The big cost to my tutors is really just getting over there. And I work with a travel agent friend in Whanganui who set up a package and she does all the work. She does all the visas and stuff and they go over. So it's, I don't know what it is this year. I think for next year it's somewhere around about $3,500. And I charge a small placement fee just as a, because I see this mainly as a hobby for me. And what about the, what do they get paid when they're over there? It varies. I guess all in, probably an average would be about 80 to 90 pounds a week. And that, I mean, that's with full board and with food as well. So that it's, it, I mean, living over there is expensive and they find that fairly quickly, but if they budget it carefully, it can vary. I mean, one school I send a boy to gets £160 a week. Another expense for gappies is almost always extra travel. With almost two months of summer holidays mid-year, coupled with the proximity of the European continent, the temptation to see some more of the world is irresistible. Travel companies haven't been slow to cash in and offer so-called gap tours, with that specific market in mind. Henry Thomas has tried to see as much as possible. There's no lack of opportunity to get out there and see different parts of the world. In my two months off, firstly I'm going with a couple of friends to Morocco for eight days and then I'm embarking on sort of a European escapade on a coach tour which carries us for 32 days. Me and some good friends from Wellington are... Um, Camping across Europe, we sort of started in London, now across the English Channel, down through France, to Spain, Italy, across to Greece, and then up through Austria, Switzerland, uh, Germany, the Netherlands, and then back over. The Gap volunteers also take advantage of the many half-term breaks and cheap airfares. Jessie Rose says it's another valuable experience to chalk up. It helps you a lot with your independence and your self-confidence because over here you do things yourself. You jump on a plane and you fly up to Edinburgh. You book it yourself, you get it sorted. It's not relying on other people or being babysat. You're much more independent. You also get to meet heaps of people, learn amazing things and yeah, I think it has been a really good learning curve. For parents back in New Zealand, these extra trips can be expensive, not to mention a bit nerve-wracking. Lawrence Cartmel says he was alarmed when just two weeks ago he was contacted by a credit card company to say there'd been two attempts to take out large amounts of cash on his son's credit card. At that point, Alex was travelling in Hungary. We couldn't get hold of him because he didn't have his mobile. The mobile, the boy that he was travelling, one of the boys he was travelling with, he was on his gap placement in the small town he's in, hadn't taken it with him because we've tried phoning that and got some poor soul up at three o'clock in the morning. Um, so I had to phone up um, the lady in Poland and speak to her and say if he doesn't arrive back, it's because something's happened in Budapest. We, I thought that the card had been stolen, but in actual fact it turned out that he'd um, done all the things you're not supposed to do, been to a bar, got fairly inebriated, and gone out with uh, his friends at three in the morning after the bar, went to go to a ATM and tried to take some money out, whereupon six guys appeared with a knife and forced him to take the money out, and that was really the end of it. Nothing more serious than it obviously could have been. He says it was a sobering moment. It made me realise that actually, you know, you, don't, you can't always get hold of them, and you, you know, despite all the information they're given and the training that they're supposed to have and your harsh words about being stupid, they still can be. 
Uh, he got away, obviously, quite lightly. The other boys lost cell phones and, and cash out of wallets and stuff like that. Um, but he wasn't at all chastened about it. When I talked to him over the phone some subsequently 48 hours later, when he finally got back to Poland, when he was due back, um, his mother was uh, pretty worried. <laughs> for many gappers, there are also opportunities for paid travel with their schools. Sean Conway will round off his year at St Bede's with a rugby trip to Dubai. Jessie Rose at the Lees School in Cambridge has accompanied students on many school trips. I went to Arras and Ypres in Belgium on a World War I poetry trip and I went into London quite a few times, been up to Dunwich, done two Duke of Edinburgh camping trips, one into the Yorkshire Dales, which was rather cold, and one down to the New Forest in Southampton. I've been very lucky. I've also going to go on the school ski trip to Austria at the end of the year, so really looking forward to that one. Looking back, she says that even at its most mundane, the year away has been of enormous value. For one thing, she knows what she definitely doesn't want to do. No, I don't want to teach PE. (laughs) I came over with really not a clue, hoping for some sort of divine epiphany. And in the last month or so I've decided I want to go back to Otago but perhaps Wellington to do a conjoint law Bachelor of Arts with Psychology. It's just it's given me time to clear my own head and sort my thoughts out as it just wasn't such a rush whereas at the end of seventh form you're worried about exams you're trying to figure everything out you're waiting on your results and it was just all a bit much I couldn't really sort it out whereas over here it's a lot more relaxed you don't have as much pressure with school and social and whatever else so it's more time to think what you want. For parents Margaret Green, Lawrence Cartmel and Liz Ritterford the experience has easily outweighed the cost. The experience that he's had and the maturity that he's gained from it have actually been worth it. He's learnt he likes teaching which which runs in our family. He's enjoyed teaching the kindergarten children says he loves it So he's beginning to realise that there are other things in life other than going to university and that it perhaps would be a good idea to do it. So it's been really good for him. He left quite a secure situation, feeling that he had a bit of a pathway mapped out for himself and probably the end result has been that his eyes have been opened far wider than he would have expected and he's realised that the world's full of a lot more questions than answers and so that might mean that he will come back quite unsettled and less sure of himself on some counts but on other counts I think he will have grown tremendously in maturity but the proof will be in the pudding because we haven't seen him at all while he's been away. As his year away rapidly draws to a close Henry Thomas is reflective. I think I have changed a lot, not a lot, but I've certainly become more independent and um, more mature I'd like to think. While the overwhelming consensus is that gappers return home with an added maturity and greater independence, even if it's just doing their own washing, one gapper came home several years ago with a definite surprise for his parents. Although they'd been quite relaxed when he told them he was bringing home his girlfriend, they were somewhat nonplussed to discover she was the 40-year-old school matron. However, the relationship didn't last.